Right. And Hi, this is Doc Jones, the resource investor. I'm here today with Bob Weir. He's the CEO of Osisco Metals. Uh, and we're going to be talking about this company. And recently, what I attracted me to this company, I watched it for a long time. I knew of their Pine Point project where they have you know, over 50 million tons of lead plus zinc with uh, a PEA on that project, which is going to be updated, is they recently announced a option deal with Glencore, which will give them tremendous leverage to copper in Quebec. Uh, you know, looking at the historical resources on that property, we're talking an excess of over three billion pounds of copper than when you include uh, uh, the waste pile that uh, the oxide waste pile at uh, Copper Mountain, uh, you're getting to close to around 3.5 billion pounds of copper. Uh, and also these deposits have a nice byproduct credit in silver and MO. Um, so Bob, how are you? Welcome. Yes, uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you for the interview, Jim. Ah, you're welcome. You're welcome. First off, I always ask this at the beginning: Am I being paid or compensated by the company to pr produce this uh, material? Uh, no. I first I heard of you was last week. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Good. Obviously, I don't follow the billboards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Just the, there was some. Um, um, uh, BS artist saying that I'm being paid to do this sort of thing. I'm just a high net worth guy that takes an interest in the companies I invest in. And uh, your company is now uh, part of my portfolio. Um, so you announced today that you're going to uh, embark upon a, a 30,000 meter drill program at yep. uh, 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 Gatsby to uh, define and, and then issue a um, initial 43101 on the uh, the Copper Mountain uh, deposit there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, could you uh, just give us a little um, overview of, of what's this, the rationale for this option and, and how it benefits? Yeah. Uh, sure. Um, honestly, this deal was about eight months in uh, the working uh, and uh, we didn't make it a secret that uh, even though uh, we think Pipe Point's an outstanding zinc and lead project, uh, we want exposure to copper as, as base metal developers. Uh, good copper assets are very hard to find, especially uh, the more substantial ones. And we, we basically comb the country. Uh, not very keen on uh, the U.S. right now for mining development. Uh, very tough uh, permitting process in most states, so we stuck to Canada. And uh, the opportunity came along uh, with Gaspé Copper, uh, where... I, myself, and Jeff Hussey uh, were quite familiar with this deposit. We both worked there in the 90s. And that's, in fact, where I met Jeff. And so uh, we were one of the few groups, uh, honestly, in Canada that were familiar enough with uh, gas paid copper to be able to uh, rapidly evaluate uh, the resource, what was left, and the potential for uh, more expansion. So... Uh, we approached Glencore. It's a, for Glencore, it's an encore asset. Uh, and it's no secret that uh, Glencore has been selling and or partnering with uh, smaller groups uh, everywhere in the world to turn their sleeping uh, non-core assets into producers. So they were open to the idea. And uh, so we started uh, doing due diligence, gathering the entire database, taking in uh, Glencore's database. Uh, we had our own, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, dusting off old, old three and a half inch diskettes from the 90s to, to recover the data. And it was a long process. Um, 
but given today's copper price, of course, is what makes a big difference in terms of uh, potentially rekindling uh, this operation. So we came to the conclusion that uh, there was potentially one uh, viable operation as a Kickstarter, and that was the expansion of the, uh, the Mount Copper uh, open pit. And that's uh, what we have been working on. And uh, as I mentioned in this morning's press release, we should be able to uh, be in a position next week to announce our first 43101 inferred resource. A lot of drilling, of course, a lot of drill data in the existing database, but because uh, nothing's been validated uh, from our point of view, except the 2019 drilling, it's all going to come in uh, as uh, inferred. Okay. And the purpose of the current drill program is the usual uh, infill drilling into uh, the new model pit, fill in the gaps to validate old uh, data. But more importantly, we are aware that there is an oxide layer. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that uh, Gaspe, portions of the Gaspe Peninsula uh, never uh, underwent continental glaciation. Mm -hmm. It was local alpine glaciation, which uh, created local caps. And those local caps prevented the continental ice sheet from scraping everything. So you, have, you do have uh, satellites and significant oxide layers uh, uh, particularly at uh, gas bay copper. So uh, in our current modeling, even though there's potential to eventually heap leach uh, the uh, oxide copper, uh, including what we would strip on top of the existing stockpile from the original operation, we're completely discounting that right now. And uh, our model is going to be based strictly on uh, a potential low-grade uh, sulfide operation with a conventional mill. So the, um, the existing stockpile there from historically of the uh, oxide copper, we were talking before, there's uh, about 30 million tons there. Uh, yeah, from, uh, yeah, from the work that Naranda originally did. Uh, again, it's, it's not 43-101 compliant, so you have right, to take right. it with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah, they, there's no doubt the, the stockpile just standing on top of it, it's, it's fairly substantial. Yeah, and then the stripping that you would do to get to the sulfides, uh, as far as uh, the dimensions that have been out there publicly. So I would posit that you would end up with 60, 70 million tons of, of oxide potentially. Um, yeah, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which at, at the grade of the stockpile is around 400, 500 million pounds of copper um, later on down the line. Yeah, uh, fair one down the road. Obviously, uh, is going to require a permit to do this. Heat bleach yeah. copper has never been permitted in Quebec. Probably will be a challenge to get that permit, but uh, we'll stay positive. And that's uh, certainly, uh, once the pit is running, that would be uh, something we could work on to complement the uh, the sulfide pit operation. Yeah, well, considering the, the resources yeah. that are there, you know, you look at Porphyry Mountain with 200, over 200 million tons, uh, you'd have lots of time to work out uh Exactly. Can uh, work that out. Um, so, um, yes. Yeah, so, so, so you, so you, the economics are just going to be on the sulfide there, uh, and you have a resource coming out next next week, approximately. Just uh, and and uh, then you got thirty thousand meters of drilling that's going to be infill and also expansion, because you, you've worked this property years ago uh, when you were with Falconbridge as well as with. Uh, Jeff, who's the uh, current president of, of, uh, of Cisco Metals and also a, a PhD SCARN specialist. Uh, so I would guess uh, that you have 
pretty high confidence in, in the expansion of this. Um, you know, um, we've already modeled it internally, of course. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, uh, we we go ahead to do it. So essentially, part of the drill program is due diligence as well. Yeah. So as you saw in the agreement, I have till June thirtieth to uh, to make the final decision and advise Glencore as to whether or not uh, we go ahead uh, with this project. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we hope to close the transaction by September 30th in our current agreement. But that's going to require a, um, Quebec government approval to transfer the old mining leases to uh, Cisco from Glencore. Right. And um, I, I guess the motivation for Glencore here is that they, they will need, they need feed for their, their smelter. And with the, the option agreement, they, you have, they have the 100% option of taking all your concentrate. So yes. you would have an offtake agreement in place day one, uh, yeah. uh, which, which is really, really valuable. Um, is there, is there any uh, other, because um, the, 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 the alteration, the, the, the halo of the, the, the scarn is about five kilometers in diameter. And so there's, from what I can see, there's three or four deposits that were divined historically. Is there other areas that you'll be looking at for exploration on the land package and the outcropping or anything that hasn't been followed up on in, in previous? Uh, not in the short term. Uh, when I was there in the 90s, that was my job is, is to find uh, specifically in the level of uh, the E horizon, which was mostly uh, copper mesosulfide uh, cuperiferous mantos. Mm. Uh, some of them are quite high grade running north of 3% copper. And that was the focus of uh, development uh, back in the 90s. And eventually our work led to the discovery of Porphyry Mountain. It's completely unexpected. Right. But uh, there are there are residual massive sulfide bodies left in the E-zone that were never mined. Uh, uh, follow up on, on drill holes uh, that were quite high grade. Uh, not, just, uh, not just in the deposits that we're headed toward town of Murdochville. The E32 was actually mined under the town of Murdochville. It was sitting in the marble oil. Mm. Uh, on the Scarn front, there are three or four zones of, of massive sulfide that uh, merit uh, further investigation. But again, that's way down the road. Right. Um, in terms of looking at all that we could potentially do going back on the ground, uh, there's potentially recovery of the pillars in the C zone. Mm -hmm. It was a, a giant room and pillar operation with, with pillars as high as uh, 30 meters, uh, 35 meters in height. Um, it was truly a, a humongous uh, underground operation. Today, you'd probably do it by long hole and panel caving, but back then, the room and pillar was the standard. Yeah. Um, so we're going to take a hard look eventually uh, if this project goes ahead at uh, recovering those pillars. Going back to the E zone to follow up on those uh, massosulfide zones. And of course, Porphyry Mountain, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the old Naranda published resource. Again, I have to say it's non compliant. Yeah. But uh, they were looking at about 200 million tons of 0.7 plus Molly and silver credits, but it's a deep deposit. The only possible uh, possibility there will be some kind of block caving technique. Right. And uh, but again, that technology has changed a lot since the 90s. Well, that, that, so, that, that, that's what I was saying to people. You know, you look at these uh, historical resources and you have to remember back then, 
for example, with this, the price of copper was sub a dollar when the resource was calculated. Plus, yeah, the you didn't have the advancements in productivity we have in metallurgy, milling, and mining techniques, which has driven costs down. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like for example, Porphyry Mountain, as you said, you know, over two hundred million tons at 0.7 copper. And then when you add in the byproduct credits, it's been positive to me by an ex-Naranda uh, executive that it was probably closer to you know, 1% copper equivalent, which, you know, that's, that's pretty substantial when you've got 200 million tons. Um, yeah. Because, because I would imagine once Copper Mountain is up and, and running and you exhaust that, then the next step would be drawing in some uh, Porphy Mountain at some point would be going through the mill there um because also That's what we would hope yeah yeah because at that point you've paid back all your capex from mining copper mountains so you're the the cost the 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 value per ton that you need to, to make money on gets substantially lower the longer that mining exactly approach. and that's, that's exactly our approach to make copper mountain a go and then uh once your capex on the mill and tailings and whatnot it's all paid off then you can afford to look at uh, riskier uh, ventures, uh, which, and that would include going back underground. Yeah. And as you say, the cost, uh, the sustaining capex on cost per pound going back underground, uh, at that point is substantially less. And uh, that, that is what has the potential to really extend the mine life here. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting, uh, especially now with the, uh, the political climate and how um, uh, supply lines are being, uh, routes are being redrawn and there is more focus on having um, uh, minerals domiciled or at least closer to uh, the users of, of those finished products such as in Canada, the United States, um, where uh, importing these things from China and Russia is, may not be a, an option in the future. And it's a, national security with no copper there's no green energy right there's, yeah. no, there's no green energy exactly. you can forget about it uh, it's all very nice to dream about converting an entire transportation system to electric vehicles but that requires a hell of a lot of copper and lithium and yeah. others and uh, the supply chain is just not there uh, Glencore's yeah. own internal study published last year uh, indicated that if we are going to meet the 2050 net zero carbon global emission standard, we have to double our global copper production, double our global zinc production. And uh, notwithstanding any changes to lithium ion batteries, uh, you're talking three to four fold increase in nickel and cobalt production. Yeah. That's, well, realistically, these, these objectives uh, simply cannot be met by the global mining industry. It, it's just impossible. Yeah. You find and you need to put into production another 10 chuki kamadas, you know, to, to, to reach that. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And, and the only way uh, that I would posit that, that it would be possible to even get close to that is the price of the underlying commodities has to rise much more than it has already so yeah. that these marginal deposits are now economic to satisfy exactly. the demand, uh, which, which uh, you know, is really great for something like Pine Point which is an yeah. remarkable deposit, but it's an advanced stage uh, exploration development property with over 50 million tons zinc lead at a combined over 6% zinc plus lead, yeah. um, which uh, well, is, is another uh, really 
fascinating part of the company that uh, I think people have not uh, keyed into yet. Because I was looking at the 2020 PEA where you had a, a net present value of uh, over 500 million. Um, and that was using a dollar uh, a zinc or dollar 10 zinc. Plus, you had the assumption of, of uh, a lot more costs as far as dewatering and whatnot, which the yeah. uh, hydrogeological study has shown that it isn't an aquifer. It's uh, it's going to be uh, substantially less, you know, 40, 45 percent less uh, dewatering than, than previously uh, contemplated, as well as you've done a bunch of drilling to confirm and expand the resource that was there. And, and you know, those drill results uh, last year and this year has come out. Uh, have always either met or exceeded the historical grades, which Correct. bodes very well, you know. Um, uh, but it's your project, so why don't you tell me about it? <laughs> well, that's it. So uh, you obviously did your reading. So yeah, so PA point point now slated from mid May, as we announced this morning. It's proven uh, more work than we anticipated to in integrate the new uh, hydrogeological model into uh, a modified uh, mine, uh, mine plan. Mm. to take advantage of it but it's coming out nicely uh the new pa will be at a it's still conservative as far as i'm concerned will be done at a dollar 30 zinc okay uh the major banks just kill me uh you know they're they're still sitting long term at a dollar 10 zinc and, and 350 copper and as i said that joke breaks me up i mean if that that were reality half the development projects in, in the world would just you know fall off the shelf uh, they're so conservative, uh, and unfortunately, they do have a big impact on, on capital markets, especially from the generalist funds. Uh, they're not helping in terms of uh, future development. But be that as it may, uh, I'm still very bullish on base metals. Uh, I don't think, um, I'm not saying that zinc is going to stay at close to two bucks where it's sitting now. But for example, I'm very comfortable long term zinc at a buck 60. I'm very comfortable with copper at four, four twenty. Yeah, and uh, it's what we do. Um, I think we take a more uh, aggressive but yet realistic approach, looking at uh, supply demand dynamics on, on base metal prices, and we we base our development, our risk, on what we think is going to happen. I certainly wouldn't be sitting uh, at point point if I believed in dollar ten zinc, nor gas pay copper if I believed in three fifty copper, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm confident that we're going to be proven. Correct as, as time goes on. As you know, mining development takes time. And uh, with base metal prices where they are now, and uh, I don't see any reason really why they should uh, they flounder, uh, given the demand the dynamics, uh, these and, projects are going to roll. And there's new markets developing for zinc too, with the um, uh, massive uh, storage for grid storage. They're looking at using zinc batteries uh, for storage. Yeah, which, which, yeah that's a, yeah. Which is very That's exciting. That's something that has to be developed. Yeah, because zinc is um, much cheaper, and, and you can't do it with uh, lithium ion. It's just it's just it's not well, reasonable. You can. It's just expensive. Yeah, and, and the chemistry and all that doesn't you know for massive storage it's uh, yeah it's just not cost efficient. Um, but that's so when 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 do you expect to um, release the the updated PEA that incorporates what you've learned about the uh, hydrogeological study? Yeah, as mid May. Well? 
mid-May. And, yeah. and, and will this, will this uh, PEA also include uh, uh, more of the tons than the prior one because you've been upgrading some stuff? From uh, no, we're actually going to base it on the, the resource won't be updated. That's, that's where we can progress. So we decided okay. to just stick with the old resource. Okay. And uh, it's fine. I mean, the main point of the updated PEA was to uh, announce to the market uh, what happened, obviously, to the economics of the project. Uh, right. is slightly more optimistic uh, and yet conservative, I think, zinc price and moreover the impact of, uh, of the hydrogeology. There's been, there was, we've been fighting this, on this project, we've been fighting uh, market sentiment and uh, skepticism regarding the hydrogeology for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I keep reminding people, Kaminko mine there for, you know, better part of 25 years. They only yeah. had water issues uh, and a couple of pits. So, you know, stop panicking. I mean, uh, water <laughs> is manageable at point point. <laughs> and that's just the reality of it. So, uh, and it's one of the, you know, few few projects right now in NWT that have a solid chance of, of going ahead and becoming a mine. And 30% of GDP in NWT is mining. And yeah. obviously the diamond mines are getting old. Uh, they're on their... They're declining, obviously. They're running out yeah. of reserves. So, uh, and you will team these new mines. That's that's all there is to it. Yeah, well, you know, just doing a little back and napkin uh, mathematics here, you know, using, even just using a dollar thirty for the new PEA, you know, for uh, 10 years of production, um, that adds gross another 654 million uh, US to uh, the cash flow prior to taxes, uh, yeah. which is what five times the current market cap of the company. So then, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, so it's a little bit of context there. And then you're not using, you're basically only using a little more than half of the. Of 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 uh, the delineate, delineate delineated resources, so you're looking at something that would have a mine life of 15, 20 years in the end, and yeah. would be one of the top ten zinc producing mines in the world as far as production. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, exactly. So and that's well located. We could export it uh, either in the west coast or east coast. We have direct access to rail, which is critical. Yeah. For uh, as far as I'm concerned, for any basement metal project, if you don't have access to a deep water port or rail makes it a lot tougher so so yeah. that's one of the reasons we, we picked pine point uh, and decided to develop it but again so when we started the project uh zinc was below a buck yeah it's done very well um i you know i was comfortable with zinc going up honestly i was surprised how fast it went up yeah i didn't check this morning but i assume it's still above a buck 90 you can imagine pine point at buck 90 and oh yeah just, yeah i would just print it right out of the park right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, and and I I have to uh, I have to wonder that if um, part of uh, the attraction of of of, uh, of uh, Glencore working with you guys is also that you have Pine Point and Glencore being the largest zinc producer in the world and needing uh, concentrate for for their their smelters that because uh, Kid Creek is looking to be exhausted or close to and they're going to doing a study to possibly expand it. If, if that expansion works out where they can run Kid Creek for another five, six, seven years, that would pretty much coincide with if you started to do the engineering and, and building a mine at uh, Pine Point, you know, like yeah, I would- But keep in mind, Brace Mac McLeod is, is shutting down in June, the Metagamy camp. 
Yeah, nitagmine. Oh, that's that's loss feed for for Valatil smelter as well. Also so. in uh, Ireland, uh, Terra Mine there has had issues uh, where they've uh, they were offline for what six eight months. The uh, yeah, no, well, no, that's resolved. Yeah, uh, they, they're back in production. It was a water issue that they, they solved. Yeah, uh, but that's uh, Europe's biggest zinc mine. So obviously for the zinc smelters in Europe, both Trafigura and, and, uh, and Glencore, uh, their operation is fairly important. So, but uh, I mean, on a global scale, again, uh, there are very few zinc projects uh, that are, can realistically go online. Mm -hmm. It simply won't make up for uh, uh, A, compensate for the closures and B, compensate for the increased demand. I mean, 60% of zinc goes into galvanized steel unless everybody plans on driving rusty EVs. We're still going to need to galvanize those. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, here's another point on lead. You know, I've had to deal with, you know, lead is dead, lead is dead. But most people don't realize there is a lead acid battery in every EV on the planet. Yeah. So, um, interestingly enough, people think an EV is all lithium ion. You no. still need a lead battery to get the damn thing started. Yeah. And so yeah. Elon Musk is working really hard to get rid of lead batteries out of EVs, but he hasn't succeeded. So the demand for lead is, is not about to drop, especially if we're going to replace uh, our transportation systems with, albeit, especially in urban areas, smaller electric vehicles. Well, that's going to be more, more vehicles on the roads. Yeah. They'll be cleaner, they'll have less environmental impact, but make no mistake, there'll be a lot more of them. It's not going to help traffic congestion. Hmm. But uh, no more, you know, I can I hope to see in North America in the next 20 years, a world where those long lineups of rush hour traffic, not having all these gas vehicles just idling away and polluting the air, uh, they're going to be sitting uh, as electric vehicles or at least hopefully a hybrids. Yeah, I mean, I drive a hybrid, and it's nice when I'm stuck in traffic. Uh, the engine shuts down, right? Yeah, battery power. So just that is a massive improvement because most people uh, drive to work and are stuck in rush hour traffic every yeah. day. Yeah. So true. the EV revolution should certainly first take place in urban centers, and uh, we can worry about rural areas later on, especially a big country like Canada. Very yeah. hard to replace those pickups when you're living in. In rural areas, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, Especially at minus forty in the winter time. <laughs> yeah, because the batteries. Don't tell that to Saskatchewan farmers. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have a, a an electric car as well, and um, in the winter time, the charge doesn't last nearly as long. It's exactly something that, that that they have to overcome with science at some point, hopefully. Yeah. So. so so capital structure, you've, you've got a little over 200 million shares out. There's only 9 million warrants. Um, you yourself own, what, 34 million shares, I believe? You're yeah, right? about that, yeah. Yeah, and you've been buying consistently on the open market, so they weren't yep. grandfathered to you or given to you, so that, that's always positive to see. Um, so as far as uh, what what we as, as the uh, shareholders are looking forward to catalyst wise we have you have drill results still from pine point yeah pine point so, uh, yeah pine point drilling is shutting down for a breakup uh, we're going to resume in june so more drill results this year uh we hope this year to drill our fattest gravity anomaly uh, which we uh, finally be able to stake this year 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this particular nominee was off our claim group. Uh, now we'll be able to acquire it. Oh, great. And I'm very, I mean, if the, that is not another prismatic, I'm, I'm giving up on geophysics for the rest of my life. Quite frankly. <laughs> so it's, it's a huge gravity anomaly. It blew away every, any other anomaly we had on our survey. And we finally get to drill it uh, this summer. So, so that so could if, if that's another fat prismatic, that's going to bring good news, very good news to the Pine Point project. But notwithstanding that, uh, we're going to carry on with our info program. PEA mid-May, and we're launching feasibility in the fall. Okay, and and then and then with you, uh, assuming you accept the the option with Glencore, you have a uh, initial resource coming out uh, in the next, next week, week or so. Yeah, and then okay. infill drilling uh, with a thirty thousand meter initial program. After that, we'll reevaluate the resource and may need to extend uh, that with more drilling uh, into year end. And then uh, we'll be in a position to uh, pr- produce a PEA by year end because uh, okay. you can still do PEAs on inferred resources. Nice. And uh, if all goes well, then we can launch feasibility on gas bay copper uh, in Q1 2023. So, what do you think ultimately? What, what, how do you see in the end? You'll have these, these two very nice one copper, one uh, link set projects. Um, you know, with PEA and then feasibility studies, uh, do you think that would you be open to selling the company? Is that the ultimate goal to to build these up and show the tremendous economics and and that and and sell it to? Well, one obviously, of somebody comes along and makes an offer. You always have to consider it. Uh, but uh, you know, the objective right now is is to become uh, you know premier base metal producer in this country. Yeah, um, we need more base metals. We need more more mining uh, in that sector. And unfortunately, certainly uh, in my career, we lost Falcon Bridge, we lost Naranda, we lost Inco. You know, all of our great Canadian base metal producers uh, were were lost uh, to foreign interests, which I think is a shame. Yeah, uh, tech is still around. Yeah, uh, but we need to be, be you know to bring more ba- base metal production in-house Canadian base metal production into the fold. So uh, again, somebody uh, you have fiduciary responsibility. Obviously, somebody makes an offer to uh, consider it seriously and bring it to shareholders. You can never say no. But our primary objective would be to uh, to uh, put these mines into production, and that's where the real cash flow comes in. I mean, today yeah. if we still own Canadian Arctic. We'd be making hundreds of millions of years in free cash flow. I mean, God, it'd yeah. be fantastic, right? For for yeah, yeah, uh, for ourselves as well. Yeah, good. So it requires patience on the uh, part of the shareholders to, you know, to to sit back and wait for the mine build and the real cash flow to come in. But ultimately, it, it pays off tremendously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And well, th- these are still in the how big is it going to get stage for me as far as the delineation yeah. of the resources and that. So there's a lot of exciting stuff coming down the pipe. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Great. So we're going to have a very exciting year. Uh, again, I'm very glad to bring Copper Exposure. We're very happy bringing Glencore as a partner. Uh, it goes beyond actually gas big copper. And as you see, zinc, Glencore has a lot of uh, other assets in Canada that we're going to take a close look at. And so uh, for us, it's, it's fantastic to have the opportunity you know, to team up uh, with, uh, with a global leader uh, at that level.
Yeah, yeah, because they tend to have all the best assets. They've just been their their uh, non-core assets. They they've had them for decades in some cases, and they're just really great ground that just has never gotten any attention. Um, yeah, and, and for our junior developer, for us, it presents tremendous opportunity. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. Well, um, anything you you want to leave share, shareholders with uh, before we depart here, Bob? Uh, yeah, uh, sure. I mean, as far as shareholders concerned, anyone who's bullish on base metals uh, should certainly take a close look at this opportunity. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, we're still ridiculously low uh, market cap, but uh, the market reacted instantly to the copper exposure because, again, uh, copper is king in the base metal world. But uh, having uh, exposure to both of these projects, I think is a fantastic opportunity for anyone who wants to get in on the ground floor. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. And uh, well, thank you. We, we will Appreciate talk the time. Yeah, we'll talk again soon. Very Thanks. good. Bye.